Hello and uh, welcome to this part in the service where we get the opportunity to open up God's Word together. I'm Archie and it's my pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible at hand, that's fantastic. But uh, as Chuck always uh, says, if you don't have one at home, do download one. Most of them are free. And it reminds me, if we were meeting in one of our sites right now, we'd be handing out free Bibles left, right and centre. But sadly, on this occasion, we can't. But we can allow the App Store to do it for us. So download your free Bible app. And with that, we're going to be reading uh, God's Word together. And we're going to be continuing our study in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, looking at chapter 4 and reading verses, nine, verses 8 to 9. But before we do so, let us pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power and the wisdom and the transformation that comes from spending time in your presence and in your word. Lord, bring about transformation in ourselves today. We trust you. Amen. Let's read. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and a God of peace will be with you. Two very short verses, but yet they contain so much. And I want to draw out a couple of things from these verses. But they come under this overarching theme of family that's been so prominent in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And right away, uh, I notice that Paul addresses the church in Philippi as brothers and sisters. This isn't unique in any sense. He uses it again and again in all of his letters and his addresses to the churches that he set up and even the ones he didn't set up. He uses the terms again and again. And I want to pick up on that because, yes, it's a way of describing our fellow Christians. But sometimes when something is so familiar, we, it loses its impact after a time or we, f we fail to notice the significance of it. But I want to is in this moment to appreciate the full weight and the measure of what it is to consider the church as our brothers and sisters. When Paul uses the relational terms brother and sister, he literally does mean that you and I are brother and sister. It's deliberate. And it's a fundamental truth that Paul wants to draw us back to, that we are literally brothers and sisters, made so by our faith, our trust in Jesus. We are all adopted into the family of God. We're this huge family. You know, the church could be described as being like a member of the, the Bruins <laughs> or the Waltons even. This huge big family that are growing and loving one another and learning to love one another. You know, I have many recollections as a child, as a young man and becoming an old man now, <laughs> of growing up with my two sisters, Diane, Mary, and my younger brother, George. You know, and we're family. We love one another. We're committed to one another. And despite the geographic distance that exists between us now, we're still deeply committed to each other. We're invested in one another. We're interested in one another. We try to bless one another where we can. 
and on occasion we still annoy one another. <laughs> we offend one another. But because of this wonderful biological union, this sacred union that exists between us, we're able to overcome our annoyances and stick together. I appreciate that that should be the norm for most families, but for some families it isn't, nor has it ever been. But regardless of whatever biological family history has been or is at the moment, it won't determine what it will be like as being a part of Jesus' family. Jesus said, Whoever does the will of my father is my brother, my sister, my mother, and so on. You know, I can't stress enough the importance of appreciating that when we commit to Jesus, we are literally adopted into the family of God. You know, there may not be any legal documents here on earth, but there is a book in heaven. <laughs> it's got my name on it and your name on it, and literally the billions and millions of people that have gone before us and are with us and are yet to come who are your siblings in Jesus. You know, it's a wonderful truth that we need to grasp and hold on to tightly. Particularly this season when the, the bonds of family have been heightened due to the fact of this enforced separation that many of us have had to endure and the awareness and the risk of health to many. Perhaps today is a day to contact, to connect with someone in your church family. See how they are. Check in with them. Persevere with the Zoom chats. You know, if you haven't done so already and you've maybe been around church for a while, now is the perfect time to join a connect group. Stay connected. And as you do so, you will discover the wonderful nature of what it is to be a member of the family of God. And it also sets us up for what Paul wants to say to us next in this next verse. He goes on to say, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Great words, but seemingly ambiguous. What does he mean? But then, how could it be anything else? These terms are so wide and broad, it would be dangerous to almost to try and narrow them into too small an application. But they're all pointed in the same direction, towards the person of Jesus. Paul said earlier in his letter that his goal, his ambition, his burning desire in life is to know Christ. And his passion isn't a passive one, is he's actively pursuing Jesus with everything he has and does. When he says that whatever is true, he's not talking about reading papers on philosophy or studying theoretical physics or even mathematical equations. He's encouraging us to talk about and think upon the foundation of everything that is true, and that is God himself. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's where we're to look for these attributes, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Yet how Jesus communicates these things to us relates back to what we've just said before. We have many brothers and sisters in Jesus. Those same people who have the same spirit, the spirit of Jesus as an active agent in their lives too. And we can learn so much from one another. It is a wonderful thought that 
if we only had to live in lockdown with Jesus or if we only had Jesus in a social bubble, um, life would be a breeze, wouldn't it? It would be wonderful. <laughs> but we don't. We're called to live in community with others. You know, even if your household looks like Jairus the jailer, you know, where everyone's a believer, I can bet you your patience and your grace has been tested to the umpteenth limit. But the wonderful thing is, it's also been expanded. It's been cultivated. It's been refined. And this is a wonderful thing. We grow in relation to our experiences of one another. You know, there's a wonderful scene in the film Evan Almighty, where Evan's wife and the kids have gone up and have left him, and they're sitting in a diner, moaning and whining. And uh, Morgan Freeman, it would have to be Morgan Freeman, of course, playing the character of God, who pretends to be the waiter, and he dines at our table. And he says, when you pray, when you pray for patience, what is it you're looking for? Is it not possible that you will then receive opportunities to practice patience? I remember years ago when I was at Bible College, I had this wonderful sister uh, in the Lord, um, Esther Ampofo, or as she preferred to be known uh, by her Hebrew name, Hadazah. I would often call her Hadazah bus driver <laughs> and many other things, but I got away with it because she's my sister in Christ. But as close as we were, there was one occasion when we had this awful fallout. I was offended by something that had happened. My pride was dented. I said some choice words and I left in a huff. I didn't speak to her again for a few days until the next prayer vigil. And I was sitting there staring daggers at her when I was instantly convicted by the Holy Spirit. I was given cause to reflect on my conduct and the conduct of Jesus and the weight and the pressure of the Holy Spirit really saying to me, listen, you've been a hypocrite here. If you're not going to be reconciled to Esther, you've no business being here. You know, in that moment, I learned the most significant lesson on grace and forgiveness. And it stuck with me. And I find myself revisiting that again and again when I come into situations or moments in life when I struggle with bitterness or a slowness to forgive. I'm reminded again and again that if I'm looking towards Jesus, I need to then therefore walk in his footsteps if I want to progress more and more towards him. As I said, the church is like the Bruins, it's like the Waltons, but it's also like a classroom. It's this collaborative learning experience that we are in together. We learn and we discover things. Yes, through our own experiences, but through the shared experiences, through other people's experiences as they relate them to us. And as we do so, we, we cultivate this wonderful encyclopedia of memories, of incidences and moments that we draw upon as we progress in our journey towards a greater likeness towards Jesus himself. You know, when Paul uh, gives them this encouragement to, to mimic him, he isn't being exclusive to himself. He's not even, he's not being boastful or big-headed. This is a challenge to every single one of us, that we all have the ability to bring something to the table that we encourage and bless somebody else.
I remember doing the West Highland Way years ago with my dad and my brother George. And it's a, a wonderful walk that stretches from Mulgai uh, near Glasgow all the way up the west coast to Fort William. It's some 96 miles and it will literally take you through every landscape that Scotland has to offer. But you need to keep your eyes out for the signs and the markers along the path. If you take your eyes off the path, you're going to end up somewhere where you don't want to be and you end up lost. But the wonderful thing is we did this journey together. And where one of us might miss the markings or the signposts, somebody else spotted it. And together we made it to our journey's end. You know, quiet personal reflection is important. We get that, we know that. But Jesus never asked any of us to go and sit in a mountain for 30 years. He told us to go into the world, be family and love one another. And by that people would know who we are. So I want to encourage you, don't miss the treasures that we will discover in and through one another. That is just as important. That's an important aspect of what it is to dwell on the things of God, the things that are true, the things that are noble, the things that are right. That is what it is to learn and be guided by one another's insights. Lastly, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul isn't promising rewards for good behaviour. A toddler having a tantrum on the floor of a supermarket is just as present with their parent <laughs> as one sitting on the sofa having a cuddle. The only difference is the focus of the toddler on those two occasions. You know, Scripture promises that if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Applying ourselves to the way of Jesus, allowing ourselves to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. It's that that makes that connection that God wants to uh, have with us all, all the more tangible, all the more imminent, rather than a constant pushing back and forth. You know, our Father in heaven is patient, he's kind. And he's always calling us back to himself. He's always calling us to our better way. Always calling us to himself. I want to encourage you this morning to think upon your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for one another. Give thanks for those who have been instrumental in your journey of faith. And be quick to bless one another. And as Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, don't give up meeting together. Meet one another where you can. Yes, we've got rules and regulations how we do that. We adhere to them, but do it nonetheless, because we will be blessed in and through it. And I want to speak to those of you who may be feeling isolated or disconnected at this time. You know, if you are a, a follower, if you are committed to Jesus, you're never truly alone, nor will you ever be. You belong to a forever family and you have a significant place in that household as well. This also may be an opportunity for those of you who have been living on the periphery of church, who have been living on the border of faith for some time. Maybe you've recently tuned into church at home, you've been watching for a few weeks and you know yourself you're, you're standing on the borderline. Maybe perhaps today is the day where you're going to come home. The Bible says, 
if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I would encourage you to make the surrender, raise the white flag, yield to God, and the God of peace will be with you. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, I'm going to lead in a short prayer. And if you want to, you can repeat the words with me. Let's pray. Father, you loved the world so much that you gave your only Son, that whoever believes, whoever commits their life to you, will not perish but know eternal life, that they would know you and your Son, Jesus. Father, I confess my regrets and wrongs, and I want to live my life in union with you now and forever. Father, I commit my life to you and your will, and thank you that you have now adopted me into your family in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you said that prayer and you've decided in your heart and in your mind that you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you. Uh, well, first of all, press the tab, which either side it is. But I also want to encourage you that you are now a son or a daughter to your Father in heaven. And that you're also a sibling. You're a brother and a sister in the household of Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Amen.